As copywriters and business owners, we long for the warmth and security that comes with financial consistency. And many of us hope that if we get in with an agency, we'll have just that. But what are agencies all about? Are they something you should consider working harder to build relationships with? Are there any downfalls with working with agencies? And how do you even get your little toe in the door? Today, Kate Merriweather joins us and we'll be answering all our elusive agency questions. Hello, my name's Kate Toon and I'm the copywriter. Yes, I am. The founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the recipe for SEO success. And today, I do not have the delicious Belinda Weaver with me. Instead, I have another Kate, Kate Merriweather. Hello. Hello. I'm another redhead, so I'm probably a good substitute for Belinda. I would not do a show without at least one ginger person on it. It's kind of a rule I right. have in life. So that's good. And also brilliant name. I'd just like to congratulate Oh, indeed. You. Thank you. I'll pass that on to my parents. All Kates are awesome. Um, and let's find out how awesome you are by reading out your bio. So here we go. Kate, Mary we- Kate Merriweather is a freelance website and SEO copywriter based in Melbourne. With six years experience working with startups, leading brands and SMEs. Kate delivers succinct, readable, SEO-optimized writing for her clients. Before becoming a freelance copywriter, Kate spent 15 years working in PR and corporate communications for leading agencies in Melbourne and London. Her PR clients include Bunnings Warehouse, Emirates, Officeworks, Telstra, Mission Australia, Melbourne Spring Fashion Week, and many others. She is a member of my clever copywriting school community, Wood, and a graduate of my Recipe for SEO Success course. So um, Kate and I have known each other for quite a while now, and um, she's she's been on my other pod, and she came into the group, the Clever Copywriting School community, and we did a session on agencies uh, and how to get in with them, basically, for the group, and I thought it would really translate well into a podcast. So here we are. Thank you, Kate. My pleasure. So let's let's get stuck straight in and and talk about, if I'm if I'm sitting here, I am sitting here. If I'm sitting here thinking, I would love to work with an agency, but I have no idea how to start. What would you say is the best way to approach an agency? I think a bit of casual stalking is in order. (laughs) And Instagram would be my um, network of choice or Twitter. Uh, I would start following them. I would start engaging with them. I would um, make myself not make... I would find out where they're attending events and I would make sure that I'm attending and I would just do the, oh, hello, how are you? That's what I did when I first met Kate Toon. Yes, you were in my bushes for a week. (laughs) I did that at um, Pro Blogger. Yes, yeah. uh, Years ago and you gave me a cookie. I did. And then and the rest is history. Yeah, here we are. Uh, <laughs> so that's my technique. Um, for- stalking, stalking is interesting, isn't it? Because um, I think, you know, the first thing you obviously have to do is find out the agencies in your local area. Do you know yeah. Find out the size as well, because if they're a really big agency, they're probably going to have in-house copywriters, but the smaller agencies often don't because yes. copywriting is not always something that they want. So, you know, make that list, find them on Twitter, find them on Instagram, LinkedIn too, I think is a good spot. Yes. Um, and I, I like to call it fluffing rather than stalking because I'm <laughs> healthy. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's like commenting on their stuff, sharing their stuff, and yeah. not just commenting like, yay, that's cool, but instead adding value and mm. being interesting and showing your intellect, you know? Um, and once you can you also st- have a sneaky look on their website and their team bios, and if they don't have a copywriter listed, then you'll 
you'll be good to go. You will. So once you've, once you've, you know, shared their bits and bobs and, and they've kind of, they're vaguely aware of your existence, what's the next step? I think I would maybe slide into their DMs <laughs> and just say, you know, love to work with you. If you ever need a copywriter, can I send you some bits and pieces about me? Uh, so I wouldn't just send them an unsolicited proposal, but I'd say, you know, I'd love to work with you. I've been following you for a while. If you ever need copyright, you know, give me a call or I can send you some information and get a yay or a nay. And normally they'll say, yeah, that, you know, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and then you can shoot them a bit more of a detailed proposal of how you work and what you offer and take it from there. And I think it's really important, as with any outreach, that you do spend time tailoring that email, really looking at the clients they have. So you go, hey, look, I see you're working with blah, blah, brand. I worked with blah, blah, brand back in the day. And or, you know, I can see that the majority of your clients are in financial services. Here's my financial service experience. So, you know, make it make make yourself the easy choice. Um and my tip as well on this is, you know, agencies are all about rate cards and hourly rates. So often as copywriters, we talk about a lot about not giving out your hourly rate, not sharing your rate card with small business clients because it's meaningless to them. Um, but agencies will definitely say, what's your hourly rate or what's your day rate? Um, so it's good to have those prepared before you, before you start. And my rule of thumb for day rate was always something like my rate, times eight hours, my hourly rate times eight hours minus about 20%. But what I'd often do, and I don't know if you do this too, Kate, is I'd say, oh, you know, what, what did your previous copywriter charge you? Or, or you know, what budget do you have? Or, or what, rate, what rate would work for you? Just to try and get a bit of a steer because classically us copywriters always underquote and you go back and say, oh, my hourly rate is $80. And they're like, yes, because their last copywriter was charging them 150 And not that we want to, you know, charge what we're not worth but you know if if you're working with high level brands and with an agency then there is an expectation of, of a level of competency and experience and it does pay better what's your experience with rates and agencies Kate I've always tended to work on hourly rate or a project base I'll say look we need a six-page website written we need you to come and meet with the client once you know, this is the blah, 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 blah. And I'll come back and say, let's do this for a flat fee of X, yeah. which I work out using my hourly rate. And then they know that they've got the confidence of the flat rate and they don't have to worry about hours spiraling out of control. And that's always been fine. Or I am with, I am on a retainer with um, a couple of agencies where I work 10 hours a month and I'll do whatever they need writing. Could be an email to a client, a, a sensitive email, you know, pushing back for them or whatever it is I'll write for them. And then I just log my hours and I charge my hourly rate for that. That's cool. We'll talk a bit more about retainers at the end. Yeah, I think day rates are very much more if you're going to go in-house. And some places will want you to go and physically mm. in the agency. And then they will they tend to like a day rate. Um, in terms of project rates, I used to be the hirer and firer of copywriters. And the truth is, is that I already knew uh, most often before the project started how much budget I had for, for the copywriter and the designer and the developer. You know, I knew that I had 20 grand for the whole project roughly, and this is how I was going to split it up. So don't be afraid of asking them 
what their budget is before you do it, just so you get a bit of a steer. And don't be afraid of ballparking and saying, hey, look, it could come in anywhere between X and Y, just to see if you get, I call it the coffee spit test. If they spit coffee on their keyboard when you give them that quote, then they're they're not going to hire you. Um, But yeah, generally agencies do pay reasonably well. Um, And if you're going to be putting together a project fee, a couple of things that I always try to factor in is do factor in a lot more meetings and discussion because often you'll be discussing with the account manager and the client and often there'll be two rounds of amends at each amends stage so there'll be account manager's amends before she then sends it or he sends it to the client and then there's the client amends and also often there's legal amends at the end of the project oh legal amends are the worst oh, they are the worst because you think you're done oh no and they take all the fun stuff out yeah we can't use any words that mean anything or that's right so you know and again you've got to factor that in because there's nothing worse and you proofread it and sometimes you know agencies aren't always awesome and sometimes you know the legal changes will change whole reams of the copy it won't just be little words here and there and then you do get into kind of like change management and kind of going okay well the scope has changed and now I'm going to have to requote. Uh, but as much padding as you you know I would at least build 10% contingency in and at least 10% admin in and maybe 20% proofing. So come up with my rate for the job and 10% extra for uh, faffing, 10% contingency and 20% for proofing. But that was just uh, for amends and proofing and things. But that was my little rule of thumb. Do you have any rules around that or do you just do you pad it out a little bit? How do you work with that? I do pad it out a bit, but I just... I've, I've worked with enough agencies that I have a pretty good ballpark figure of what I'll charge and what they agree. So sometimes it's not very scientific as that. I just think, oh, I'll do it for this much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we all do. And also, you know, let's be honest, there's other factors at play here. Um, it's something I'm talking about at CopyCon coming up, uh, which is getting into these things for the right reasons. And just one thing to sort of warn here is that often I think people think, oh, I'm going to work with an agency. I'm going to get to work on this cool brand. I'm going to get to put the logo on my website. I'm going to get an amazing testimonial um, and I'm going to get loads of money. And those are all brilliant reasons to take on a job. But you also have to be up for doing the actual work because often the money doesn't quite work out because they work you really hard. You're not allowed to use the logo because you signed some kind of NDA and you never get a testimonial. Uh, so, you no, know, they don't like to r- reveal that they're using freelancers. They like to uh, appear that you're an in-house and I'm on a couple of agency websites as their in-house copywriter. Yes. For my name, you'll find me listed as a copywriter for a few Melbourne agencies. Yeah. And it's a shame when you can't use that lovely big brand logo on your website, because that's one of the reasons you did that, you know, it's exciting, Mm. you know, so just, that's a question. It's not a question to ask up front, but it's something to be aware of. And as as soon as you sign an NDA, then you can never talk about it ever again, basically. Yes. And if you haven't signed an NDA, but they've just said, we don't want it on your website, you can email prospective clients and say, this one isn't on my website because it's confidential, but I have worked on these projects. Exactly. And you you can can share it to an individual client here and there. They agencies don't mind that at all. It's just putting it out in the public domain. They don't like sometimes, sometimes I've had had agencies agree to put um, projects in my portfolio and they haven't been yeah they're quite happy it depends doesn't it i kind of find the bigger the agency the more fuss they are about it but yeah you can put it in your proposal in your credentials document however you send stuff out to prospective clients you can mention it there but let's get back to um you know getting this initial getting in in the first place you know um so 
you've sent the initial email and the thing with agencies and I'm sure you find the same thing Kate is that they need you when they need you and they don't when they don't I know that sounds very obvious but they will literally be like they'll ring you on a Friday and say our copyright is sick we need this turned around by Monday can you do it and the problem is that if you say no a couple of times to that they won't come back to you so be prepared for crazy deadlines and silliness and you know think about the impact it's going to have on other clients and whether it's worth the sacrifice um because I think, don't you find that like if, if, if an agency's come to me a couple of times and asked me and I've said no, then I never really hear from them again because they move on. They've got other people emailing them and sending them their details. Yes. Yeah. Every, every first job I've done for an agency, I've moved heaven and earth to complete and done really worked hard on the quality and been super easy to work with as an investment in that relationship. And some of those agencies have said, thanks, see you later. And some of them have then turned into ongoing sources of work, whether that be ad hoc or retainer. So yeah. I think it's really important to make a very good first impression with that first piece of work that they give you. And quite often there'll be a little test. Sometimes they'll actually say, we're just testing you out and there might be more or they might be thinking it. Yeah. Um, so I would really work hard to deliver on that first project then- you're given. Yeah, exactly. And they're not just testing out the quality of the copy. They are testing out exactly what you just said, the relationship. How easy are you to work with? How quickly can you turn things around? How well do you take feedback? Uh, how well do you interpret a brief? You know, because that's as, as a, someone working in an agency, which is what I used to be because I was on the production side for a long time. You know, finding a copywriter that you can just, that just gets it and does it and sends it back is like heaven. And you will, what happened to me was when I became a copywriter and went the other way around. People took me from agency to agency. So when the project manager or account manager moved to a new agency, they introduced me to that agency as well, which was amazing. Yes. I've had that happen where, um, the account manager left the agency, but passed it on my details to her successor and then went to a new agency where she passed on my details again, which is exactly how I've got some of the clients that I still work with. Yeah. It's wonderful. It is. You have to suck up a little bit. And I think, you know, if you've sent that initial email and they said, yeah, thanks, that's awesome. And we'll keep your details on file. You can't be afraid of following that up again. So, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I would say maybe a couple of months later, another email, you know, not saying exactly the same thing, but hey, you know, just wanted to get in touch again and let you know that I've got some availability this month. And by the way, I loved your latest campaign you did with such and such, you know, butter them up, make them feel good. Yeah. Also, when you're sending those emails, Kate, who do you generally send them to? Like if within the business, Who would you be sending that email to? I'd be looking for the account manager or even a director, someone who's a decision maker. If it's a small agency, the director is quite often the account manager. Uh, So as senior as you can go um, would be the best. I think my background in PR, I spent a lot of time working out who is the right journalist to send this pitch to. And it's quite similar in that regard that you're trying to find out who is the right person. Yeah. Give them a call and talk to their whoever answers their receptionist or yeah that's it oh I just want to send some stuff about my copywriting you know would so-and-so be the right person at least show that you know who the director is like look it up on LinkedIn first yeah that the right person to send through great I'll shoot it through that would be fine that's I so agree. I think often people think it's that if in larger agencies it's the creative director, it's not. Uh, it's usually the production manager or the account manager or the account director or the project manager. They're the ones that are hiring the copywriter. Yeah, the creative director will approve the work, but they don't generally get involved with hiring and firing. But it does depend on if the agent. You know, some really small agencies are literally just one account service person and one creative person. Well, then you know 
it's going to be fairly easy. And also, most uh, web agency websites have a contact form. People are pretty responsive, but I love your idea of calling up and just asking, um, you know, because it's not like you're calling up to sell them sort of weird IT services or, you know, offer them membership of some business directory. You're just saying, hey, look, I, I'd love to work with you. I've got my CV. Not my CV. God, we don't have CVs. This is next question. But yeah, I think that's great. So that's an interesting thing to move on to. So we've sent that initial email. What sort of other things would you send? Would you send like a credential stock? Would you give them a link to your LinkedIn profile? What, what would you be sending them? Well, I actually created this pretty dorky um, <laughs> slideshow full of 80s movies shots. <laughs> and it just said, do you want someone stylish? And I had a picture of the, um, what's that movie with Molly Ringwald? And oh, what's it called? Pretty in pink. And I had a picture of them. And then I, do you want someone fast? And then I had a back to the future picture. And then every, and I went through and I just pitched my credentials in a bit of a creative way. And it was quick to read. Uh, and I got a lot, I haven't used it for years, but I got a few, la I thought, got a laugh, showed my personality, but also showed I'm experienced and just a bit of a laugh. Yeah, that, that's, that's that actually worked really well. And it showed, yeah, she can, she can think about the messaging and she can produce something. And it was just a, just a PowerPoint presentation as a PDF with a few pictures of St. Elmo's Fire and Dirty Dancing and funny captions, you know, maybe 12 pages. And who doesn't love dirty dancing? Do you know? It's a good movie. You know, if, if they don't if they don't like you after that, I wouldn't want to work with them anyway. Exactly. I think that you can. There can be, especially if you're going in with big agencies. You know, I, I, I've worked with the Ogilvies of this world, and you know, it's highly competitive. We've got people coming out like youngsters. You know, who've come out of like you know really high end advertising courses, or they've done Admar. You know, and there can be this temptation to sort of, you know wrap a pig in your CV and push it through the door of the agency just to be so creative and wacky, <laughs> you know, and I've seen people do crazy things like that. Um, but I think, you know, nine times out of 10, it's, they want to see your experience. They want to see similar work, a couple of samples, bit of personality and that you're easy to work with. My big thing to say as well would be, um, you know, make sure your website is on point because it's the first place they're going to go and look and your LinkedIn profile, like especially yeah. if you're just starting out and you haven't even updated your LinkedIn profile and it still says you're working at Bob's accountancy firm or whatever, you know, get it sorted. Make sure your website's schmick, no typos, really clean. Show the brands you've worked with, you know, have some samples. It's just embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? I'll tell you a little classic stupid story. This is when I wanted to be a graphic designer and um, I went down for an interview. There was an, a, a job was advertised in the guardian to work at this design agency it's the guardian man and i got an interview like which is amazing because they have thousands of people submitting because I, I sent in some samples of my work and then i went all the way down to london for this interview which i was skint i was just finished university and they were like oh great well we loved the work that you sent through can we see your portfolio and i was like what I have a oh no i don't have one <laughs> because in the old days you would walk around with a black book yeah, under your arm yeah and I, i'd literally sent them all the things I had and I'd color photocopied them and I had no money and it cost me like a pound <laughs> each color photocopy. And they were like, we finished the interview and, and obviously I wasn't going to get it. Cause I didn't, and I was like, please can I have copies? Oh, back? I can have them back. <laughs> so, you know, these days you don't necessarily walk around with your black book as yes. a bit of bad men, but you need to, you know, you need to have a decent LinkedIn profile, a good website, you yeah. know, a little bit of schmickery. Um, mm. Okay, so we're, we're, we're in the door. We're, we're following up every couple of months and reminding them we're alive and we're stalking them. 
and sliding into their DMs, which sounds obscene. Um, now we've got the we've got the first job. We're working with them. What are you know how 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 do these agency relationships work? What are some tips you can give listeners for how to make you said make that make first impression so important in that first job? How do you make it work? I think understand that they have a client that they're trying to service. So understanding that dynamic is important. And if you can talk about hey, let's give the client some options. So one thing I might do, that I remember I had one client that said, we want fun and progressive tone. And I thought, hmm, really? So when I wrote the draft, I wrote a fun and progressive headline and then I wrote a more standard headline. So the agency could quickly choose the option, just make it super easy for them. And I'm just showing that I'm thinking about the brand. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to understand that they, they want to look good to their clients. So if you can understand that you're thinking about this client and that you've done some research, you might say, hey, look, I've seen on this client's competitor that they have this element on their website. How about we pitch that to your client too or something like that? So showing that you're thinking about their client is always useful. Little value adds. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I, I would say that almost 80 to 90% of working with agencies is about the relationship that you have with your contact person, making their life easier, whether that be providing multiple options, like you just said, which means that they can quickly choose and send off without having to come back to you back and forth. It's, you know, deli- over, under, over-promising, under-promising and over-delivering. So, you know, like I'll have it to you by nine o'clock, but hey, if it's ready by five o'clock the night before, send it. You know, turning around amends really quickly. You know, being contactable, you know, answering the phone, answering that email, you know, they're going to, they're going to call you because they're, you're hired. So they're going to be like, hey, can you just, can you just, can you just? And if you're not ready mm. for that kind of relationship, don't work with agencies. And they're not doing it to be evil. It's just they're getting pressure from the client. Yeah. And, and they've got a client saying, can you just, or we've just realized this. And you, my always, always say, no probs. That's my first. Yep. No probs. I can do that. Yes. And, and that's why the padding is so important. So be aware that that is going to happen and don't, you know, cause you don't want to be going back every time going, well, yes, I can, but it's going to be 72 more dollars, you know, because that's just going to really, really annoy them. And you may, you know, you may on that first job, maybe take a little bit of a hit time-wise cause you're getting used to working with them and, and whatever, but you know, hopefully that will smooth, you know, the relationship the next time. And I think it's really important to remember that people in agencies, most agencies are often highly stressed a lot of the time. They're under a lot of time pressure, working long hours. So often they're they're curt in emails or they're brief on the phone or they'll just, you know, they won't, yeah, like some nice small business client might be like, Kate, I love the first paragraph and I really like this. And I thought that was lovely, but could you just change this? Agency person will be like, client doesn't like this, 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 and this, please change. You know, they can be very brusque. (laughs) So don't work with agencies if you're a sensitive flower. Um, so we, we're talking about uh, working with agencies and I, I find one thing that they respect quite a lot is how organized you are and whether you have kind of like tools that you work with or whether you're willing to embrace the tools that they work with and their processes. How's it been for you? Do you do you present your processes to the agency or do you, do you adapt to theirs? How does that work? I adapt to theirs with limited success sometimes. I've been using an agency tool that I find pretty complicated and um, it's been a little bit of a muddle. But I, uh, I generally do things the way they want to do things. Uh, most of the agencies have uh, a, a tool like um, Basecamp or Asana or 
some kind of project management tool and they may give you, may or may not give you access. Uh, generally, when you're first working with agencies, they don't tend to, but as you work with them more closely, they'll come to the realisation, hey, it's much better if you're just on this base camp project and you can see all the back. Yeah. And the pieces, you know, the design brief and all that sort of stuff. You can just go and have a look. You can see the wireframes and it's much easier for me. I don't have to keep emailing you documents. I'll just give you access. Yeah, it's perfect. And, you know, they'll also probably be using things like Dropbox or Google Drive. They'll Mm. be using Google Docs, probably Slack or some kind of communication tool. So, again, you know, if you're a little bit old school and you don't like new apps and whatever, I think, again, it's, you know, these are all, I'm not trying to put you off. I'm just sort of saying this is the reality. And if, if, you know, using things like Slack bring you out in shivers, you know, maybe not for you, you know. I think I've depending on the size of the agency, if it's a bigger agency, they're going to have processes, they're going to have, you know, a flow, briefing documents. Smaller agencies often don't though. And I find they're often quite grateful for me kind of being a bit of a lead and saying, hey, this is how I would normally work. These are usually my milestones. I've got this briefing template. Sometimes they're quite grateful for that because especially if they haven't had many copywriting projects in-house, you know, then they can be grateful. So don't be, don't be frightened of telling them how you usually do things and then it can be a meld of the two. One important thing to say here is that, you know, all copyrights should have their own terms and conditions. If you don't have them, you can buy them from the Clever Copywriting School. But most agencies will make you sign their terms and conditions. And you may have your own payment terms, but you'll generally have to throw those out the window and adapt to client mm. payment terms, yes. right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, often agencies-, agencies want to know is how do other agencies do it? Yes. And, and as a freelancer, you've got insights into the way other agencies operate. So I remember I met with one pretty big agency, that very successful. And they were like, how do other agencies do it? How do we compare? And I was thinking, you guys are pretty disorganized, but I didn't say that better. <laughs> um, they're always interested to see, because they don't have that insight. And you as a freelancer do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the, and one of the downers, I think, with, with agencies as well is their payment terms because often they want they will only pay when they've been paid. So they often have 30-day terms and they're often not up for doing some kind of deposit and, and second payment or first payment and second payment. But it will sometimes depend on how desperate they are. Yes. Um, so one little tip I had, which really worked for me, is I always had Stripe payment set up and ready to go because often I'll find like if they're if they really want me and I'm like quite determined to get my deposit because I don't want to get burned and I can't deal with the cash flow, I'll be like, well, look, you could pay me by a stripe and then they can literally go to their CD or their C, you know, CFO, get his credit card and put it, whack it on the credit card and then sort it out later. So it's just, mm. especially if it's a smaller agency, that often works pretty well. So, but do you generally just wear that 30 day term, Kate? Yes, but the agencies I've worked with, because they're smaller, they don't tend to have that structure in place where they've got their finance person doing it one day a month and that's it. So the agencies that I've worked with have been very ad hoc. Yeah, just invoice me when you're done and we'll pay it. Yeah. Uh, So they've been pretty good in that regard. They haven't said, oh, you know, you've missed the run for this month, so it'll have to wait for next month. That hasn't happened. I'm sure it does with the bigger agencies. It's happened to me. Have in-house copywriters, so they probably don't. 
Yeah, not all of them do, but yeah, it, it, you know, and sometimes they need backup or sometimes that like, copyright is sick. So don't, don't yeah, discount true. big, big agencies. But yeah, I think as well, it depends what type of clients they've got. So if they've got a lot of kind of government clients, they are waiting sometimes up to 60 to 90 days. Oh, by yeah. their so check that out before you start and, you know, look at the other jobs that you've got. Can you afford to not get that payment for 30 days? You know, is that going to be a lovely little carrot on your stick to encourage you to get through it? The other thing is, is, with agency jobs, you're really not in charge of the timeline. So, you know, you are their beast and they will expect turnarounds. But then sometimes projects can go dead for weeks because the client's gone away or, God forbid, the client has changed to a different client. Yeah. And, you know, they don't run to a regular schedule, do they? No. And, and I think that's part of understanding the client dynamic is knowing that the agency doesn't have a lot of control over where their client, when and how their client will get back to them. No. So if you're hassling the agency going, I need my changes to get this delivered, they'll, they'll be irritated. And they'll say, well, we're waiting on the client. What do you want us to do? Yeah. Uh, so you just have to be patient in that regard. Yeah. And also be aware that in agency world, deadlines are proper deadlines because unlike with small business clients, often, you know, that deadline is a TVC going live on a particular day or a print drop or an event or something that actually has you know, consequence if you miss it. So, you know, deadlines have to be met and that will sometimes necessitate the agency pulling weekenders and you pulling weekenders. Now, I'm making it sound terrible and that's often for very big clients, but I think deadlines are more meaningful in agency world, don't you? Yes, and they really appreciate you have being flexible and they really appreciate you just having the time to answer the phone and have a chat. Um, yeah. And I quite often I'll say, let's just have a quick chat about this. I'll send you a brief and I, I think it's a great habit to get into to just say, let's have a quick chat, just 10 minutes to talk through the brief and quite often they'll give you a little bit more information or they'll give you a bit of background knowledge about, you know, this client can be a bit snarky. They don't want to put that in the written brief, but they'll tell you over the phone. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So it's really nice to just have those chats. You get a better relationship with the person that you're dealing with. Just say, let's just chat through this and tell me what you need, et cetera. And then you're in a much better position to get on with it. And then you can also say, look, how about I get this to you on Monday? And they can go, oh, actually, yeah, that's cool. The client's actually away. Yes. That's fine. Uh, so you can push back a little bit on deadlines where, where necessary. And they'll start to trust you more because often I would give out completely fake deadlines to, to suppliers because I wanted to cover my bottom. And as you begin to build that trust, you sort of go to the copyright, look, you know, I told you it was the 15th, but in reality, we don't need it drop dead until the 17th. So you'll start to build that rapport. And I think, you know, Zoom can be a great uh, tool for that to kind of build that relationship and, and sort of have meetings. And often I think, People worry, oh, you know, they're going to want me to come into the city and have meetings. I'm going to have to like shave my eyebrows and, and, and wear human clothes and go into the city. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, not in the CBD. I'm not in the center of a city. I'm out in the sticks. And so I'll often just say, look, I, I could come in in a couple of weeks on this particular day or we could just do it via Zoom. And most, most of them are happy to do that. Like they might all be in the meeting room together, but you're on a screen in the room. Uh, it depends on the size of the brand as well. I'm just about to embark on like a huge ongoing project for a major uh, telephony, telephony brand in Australia. And, and you know, I'm going to have to put some human clothes on and go in at some point. It's going to have to be done. But generally, I don't think they always want you in, do they? Uh, no, they don't. Uh, and even though I'm in the suburbs of Melbourne, it's not too hard for me to get to the city. I generally 
don't go in very often at all. But having said that, I have gone and met them all face to face at some stage. So investing in that where they just want to meet you and know that you haven't got two heads is useful. And once you've done that, then they'll be quite happy to say, yeah, look, there's no need for you to come in. Yes. We'll just give you a call. But the three agencies that I've been working with, um, one of them for about five years and the other one for maybe three and the other one more recently, I have all gone and invested the time to go in and meet them at least once or twice. Yes. And after that, they're quite happy. They don't really want you chewing up your retainer by jumping on the train for an hour and there and back. Yeah, totally. And I always, I always recommend bringing a box of donuts with you when you go in and meet them or some oh, kind of treat. I never have done that. Should've. I always, always bring a treat. I used to have little branded cookies that I would take in just as, you know, just because I'm special, man. You know, that was my dirty dancing. Clever. I Clever. know. Actually, so- one agency had a dog and I didn't know that it was a little test and I just said, oh, hello, puppy. And I gave this dog a pat. And I didn't know that they were watching to see how I reacted to the dog. Because if the dog, if the dog hadn't liked you, you would the dog hadn't you. liked me, I would have been out. And luckily for me, the dog just rolled over onto his tummy and I gave him his tummy a little rub. And That's then great. they said, you're approved. You well, were that, in. That, that once right. happened to me with a creative director. He rolled on his back and I gave him <laughs> that's a whole different story. <laughs> that made me feel sick. So let's talk about the pros of working with agency clients. What would you say are the benefits of working with agencies? I really love working with agencies. They're a source of ongoing work as opposed to a small business who might use you as they're starting up and then disappear. They have the budget to spend, then usually very happy with the rates that I charge and they're working on big brands. I've worked on massive banks and uh, insurance brands and impressive clients that I probably wouldn't secure on my own as a freelancer. So that they, get, they give you that exposure to larger brands that are important and they have a strategic approach. They've thought about the brand identity. They've done their research on the customer avatars so, and they give great briefs. So the agencies that I work with are all wonderful at giving me a really thorough brief. This is what we need. This is when we need it by. This is the background. Here's the research. Here's the strategy. Off we go, which is great. With those small business clients, you sometimes say, well, what's the brand? What's your USP? And they think, oh, I don't know. I'm just a plumber or whatever. So the brands with digital agencies generally have done all that homework, which is really useful. So they set you up for success. They do. And also, I think that they really understand the value of good copywriting. So, you know, like with small business clients, often you're almost selling the the whole industry of copywriting, let alone the fact that you're good at it. Whereas, you know, agencies just get it and they get all the, the, you know, they get the creative process, they get proofing, they get editing, they just understand the flow because they've done it before. And so you're not kind of doing that kind of education element that you're often doing when you're working with startups and small businesses, which can be a relief. And I think it's the same. It's the opportunity to work on amazing brands. For me, it's also the opportunity to do different types of work, like through the line work rather than just website copy or whatever. You know, like I've, I've done taglines and radio ads and TVCs and video scripts and, you know, uh, product labels and, and just fun, different stuff. Um, and I love as well, there's a lot of freedom there to be just creative, like super creative. Because a lot of writing web copy, it's kind of almost formulaic. It's kind of a bit churny sometimes. It's not real creativity. And often with agencies, you get to really let your mind 
wander. Um, and most, a lot of agencies, if you do go in-house, you will be sort of coupled up with a graphic designer or a designer and you'll get to work in that kind of relationship, which is really amazing if you haven't done it before to kind of spark ideas off another creative beast who's coming from a more visual point of view. That that can be, it's just inspiring. It's exhausting as well, but it's It's loads of fun. Uh, one agency I work with, used to get me in towards the end and they'd already um, decided the concept and they were briefing me. And then that account manager said, next time I'm going to get you in at the brainstorm stage yeah, and we'll just jump on a call. And that was really fun. We'd be like, okay, let's make it a roulette wheel and make it a gambling theme or make it a whatever, a bicycle. And we're going to have this giant bike. And, and then it was lovely for me, um, not coming from an, an advertising background, from a PR background. I've never been exposed to that sort of process. And it's really interesting and fun. It is. And that's another really important thing to say. Like, you know, <laughs> agencies actually have concepts. You know, they have a, a, a bigger concept. So it's not like, let's just write some web copy. It's like, okay, what's the whole like analogy we're going for? What's the whole concept for this entire marketing piece? Like you said, is it, is it all going to be about Russian roulette, like the whole thing? And then we're going to bring in words that relate to that and visuals and, you know, anyway. So that's kind of sexy and fun. The money, I think, can be better. Um, but there are negatives. What would you say some of the negatives are? I think the deadlines can be difficult, particularly if you're juggling other commitments as a copywriter and you're not available to jump whenever they ask you to jump. That can be tricky. You know, if you've got a couple of days where you're home with your kids or you're working in your day job, you can't just drop everything and deliver that draft yeah. in, in 48 hours like they need you to do. So that can be difficult. They can also just have the, oh, could you just, could you just, so you can get a bit of scope creep. So it's important to be clear on your scope to start with and push back on any, you know, when they're like, you know, oh, can you just add this extra page? The clients decided they want an extra page. Can you just throw it in? Okay. Yeah, sure. My page rate is X. Yes. Uh, so you can have a bit of difficulty with that. Some agencies, the small agencies haven't got the processes and they can be a little bit disorganized. If your account manager is disorganized, then that will flow onto you and you might not get the brief that you need, or you can get the, oh, you've written it to the brief, but we actually, you know, the client said they wanted to make it more professional and corporate. Oh, I forgot to tell you, you know, that kind of thing. So it yeah. really is any individual, like any, any client um, has their strengths and weaknesses and you can get that with agencies as well and some of the smaller agencies don't have the processes that you're used to uh, which is an opportunity to help them and say well look this is a great way to do it uh, here's a brief that you could fill out and send to me that kind of thing helping them improve their processes subtly and nicely is is useful yeah. And then they're going to love you for it. Yeah. I think that's a couple of things there that I would mention as well is that, you know, you don't really know the conversations that are going on between the account service person and the client. And often things do get lost in translation or, you know, the, the account person just misinterprets the client's needs. Um, one thing that to be very careful of often is to really try and get clear what who's signed off who the stakeholders are you know I, I remember a friend of mine did a big job with the brand and you know they were like yeah yeah go ahead we've seen the sample go ahead and write it all but they hadn't shown that sample to the client so she went ahead and wrote the whole thing and the agency came back and said actually the client didn't like the sample and wants to change it can you rewrite everything and at that point 
she was like, well, I'm going to have to charge you more. And they were like, okay, because they had deep pockets, but it's not the point. It was gutting having to rewrite it. Absolutely. I did a big job for a pharmaceutical company writing like 80 product descriptions, really, really full on product descriptions are like page long, 500 words with examples and testimonials and quirky things and facts for this brands. And then they, and it was a big money. Do you know what I mean? It was a five-figure job and it was, you know, it was involved. And then they came back and said, look, the client actually just really wanted you to edit what was already there. Oh, and I'd spent like three, three weeks and they paid me and then yeah. they paid, paid me to edit them. But the, doing that edit job was the most painful thing I've ever done. Oh, and it's the worst. I had an agency that briefed me on some product packaging and they said, this product is for families. So I had, you know, from our family to yours and all this stuff about families. And then the client comes back with, no, this product is aimed at double income, no kids and higher oh, end, gosh. you know, couples. And I, oh, okay. How long could they be? I mean. Yeah. So the agency had got it wrong and briefed me wrong. And then <laughs> do you reckon they said to the client, hey, no, that was my fault. I briefed the copywriter wrong. No. I doubt it. Yeah, I uh, reckon. Yeah. So. I think that's um, it. And I think, you know, the money thing can be an issue. Um, I think it's a, this raises an important thing as well that people often say, you know, sometimes you will have a relationship with the client. Like they'll put you in front of the client. They may even give you direct contact with the client. And sometimes what even happens is the client will start bagging out the agency, which makes it very awkward for you. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes the, the client will go, well, why don't you come work direct for us? So it's really a tricky situation to yes. be in. My, my view would be you're always loyal to the agency. Always. Yes. Um, because they have the opportunity to hire you again. It's a small world. Um, you know, that, that client could give you one more job and that w- would be it. So mm. never, never betray your agency. No, Do you agree? no, I wouldn't. And the other thing is when you are, they're like, yep, just go interview the MD of this client and chat to them. And the MD says, hey, how about this? How about that? And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. So um, you need to protect your um, ass, so to speak, and say after the conversation, the first thing you do is write an email. As discussed, you know, the client suggested this, this and this. Uh, you can sometimes be in the middle and you, you may not be aware that, say, the retainer's full and the, and the agency comes back and says, how, how could you agree to that? That's going to that's gonna yes. kill, our, kill our hours for this month or so. It's always mindful to be respectful of that um, that dynamic, the retainer that the, that the agency is on and don't agree to anything that the client's requested without running it by the agency account manager first. So, you know, the client has requested, I also write this. Is that, you know, can you afford to do that? And they'll say, oh, look, let's just do it next month because our retainer's full this month or who knows. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good rule of thumb because you will find with agencies, I find even more than with small businesses, they like to be on, get on the phone. So basically after every phone call I had with the agency, I would send an email back saying, hi, Sue, great to chat with you. Just want to confirm what we agreed on the call. I am going to do the amends that you've agreed. I'm going to have them back to you on this day. I'm not going to do that. The client liked this and they didn't like that. So that later yeah. when they come back and said, well, why'd you do this? You've got proof, 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 proof. You, Absolutely. A lot of bottom covering. Um, okay. Let's, let's, finish up with a two final kind of uh, sort of geeky things maybe but um so you mentioned that you're lucky enough to have a retainer arrangement with one of your uh, clients which is on an hourly rate how did you go about um setting that up did you suggest it did they suggest it how did that come about i think they used me for a few bits and pieces and i think they said oh we've got to write this tricky email to the client now and we've got to push back and i said i'll write it for you 
And, you know, the little bits, you know, it just took me 15 minutes. And then I just said, look, hey, if you've got all these bits and pieces, you know, they just need a quick social media post for this one client and it's only going to take you a small amount of time, but they need all these little bits and they all add up to say, well, how about, you know, I'll reserve this time for you. You you know, I'll never say no to you because I'm booked out elsewhere, which they love. They love knowing that you won't say no because you're on the retainer. You've you've reserved that time for their work and you can, they can get you to do whatever they need doing. They don't know what they, what's going to get suddenly thrown in their lap from the client. So to have that freedom to say, we've got Kate here and she can, she can write that tricky email. She can write a quick bio of the new employee. She can write a video script, whatever we need her to do, she can do. Yeah. I'll just flick jobs to you. And I think the important thing there is to make sure that you have a good system where they can charge that back or allocate the hours to the appropriate client. So um, just getting the habit of doing your timesheets regularly, like daily, where you can say, I worked on this client for an hour and they can keep it because they're looking at their hours billed against the client for each month or even each week. And they need to know that they're not spending way more hours. If you go in three weeks later and put 10 hours against a job that you did three weeks ago, they, they won't like that. So it's good to keep up on top of all that sort of admin. And they love to have someone they can just flick bits and pieces to as they arise. Yep, indeed. Cool. So, um, you know, suggest it or, or make yourself so useful that they, they, they find value in it. Don't massively reduce your rate. Like people often, when they get a retainer, suddenly go, oh, I'll judge 20% less. It's like, well, no, you're still going to have to do the same amount of work. So, you know, and don't overcommit yourself with that retainer because especially if you have charged a slightly lower rate, then it's going to preclude you from doing higher rate jobs. Um, yes. And I think to finish up legalities, um, we've mentioned at the start of the show that they will probably make you sign their terms and conditions. They may make you sign an NDA. Um, they may, copy may have to go through legal approval. Always check that before you do. And the legal changes may be substantial. Um, and, you know, especially if you're working in a particular sector that has a lot of legalities, like it's, in, you know, if I did a lot of work in financial services and, you know, it takes a little while to understand the things you can and can't say. And, um, you know, not that you need to be an Uber expert, but you know, if you're going to work in that field or medical field or somewhere that does have a lot of legalities, I think it does serve you to kind of get your head around what they are. So they're not having to come back to you and go, well, you can't write that Kate. You should have known you can't write that. You know, you can't make claims about this. You can't offer financial advice. You can't, you know, I think it's legal stuff like that can be difficult. Any other legal things? I think we've covered it really, haven't we? I think it's good to, even if it's not legal as such, so just if you did enter into a retainer with an agency, just go, here's the agreement. This is, you know, if you want to ditch me or I want to ditch you, like all those things that you would in a normal terms and conditions, you can agree that at the onset. So it's all clear and above board. And hopefully you never have to go back and refer to it, but you never know. And it protects both parties if, if something disastrous were to happen. Fabulous. So I think, you know, the, 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 the summary message of the show, there are pros and cons to working with agencies. You just have to go into it with your eyes open. 
um, you know, find an agency that you get good rapport with and, you know, all the jumping through hoops will become less. But when you're first starting out, yeah, you know, it's about fast turnarounds. It's about making their life easier. It's about when they say jump, you say how high. And over time, it becomes less of a relationship like that. But I do think in the beginning, they, they just want someone easy to work with. That, that's top priority. They want great copy, of course. But the good thing as well about working with an agency is they'll often help you write better copy because they know what they're doing and you've got mm. all, all these eyes on it to improve it. So I would say it's hugely about relationship building and, and just being a nice copywriter. Yes. <laughs> well, look, Kate, thank you very much for coming on the show. That was fantastic. If you want to find out more about Kate, you can head to the show notes for this show. We'll have links to her social media and her website, and you can maybe do some stalking of her and her articles and slide into her DMs. Oh, please do. <laughs> um, and at this time, we like to give a shout out to a listener of the show. And this week, it's from Beck Co. Um, Beck says, hot copy is game changing for anyone serious about building a copywriting business. We're all blindly finding our way as business owners and copywriters until we stumble across this gem of a podcast, informative, practical, and educational. The amount of value and insight I gain from your podcast is huge. Thanks for being so generous and believing in community over competition. What a lovely review. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, please don't forget to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Shopify, not Shopify, Spotify. You can leave it on Shopify if you like, but we won't see it. Your review will help others find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show and as i said head to hotcoffeepodcast.com to leave your comments on the blog post for this episode so thanks very much kate my pleasure thanks kate <laughs> until next time happy writing thanks for listening right to the end if you enjoyed this podcast you might enjoy my two other podcasts I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.